Well, hey, whether you stumbled onto my podcast or you've been a longtime listener, I'm glad you're listening. What is this podcast all about? Well, it's about people just like me, just like you, about age 60, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but you, like me, are trying to figure out how you're going to do life for this next 10, 20, 30 years. How are you going to stay healthy? What are you going to eat? Are you going to exercise? How are you going to do the things you really, really want to do in retirement? Uh, But most importantly, things that I think about go along these lines. How am I going to avoid assisted living? How am I going to maintain my independence? How am I going to enjoy life to its fullest until God says my time is done? Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello again and welcome to the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. I am your host, Gene Fleming, and we're getting right on down here toward the end of 2022. And uh, this will be probably the last podcast for the fourth season. And, you know, I'm still kind of astounded that in the very earliest days of 2019, I decided to launch podcast. As I've said before, anybody can launch a podcast. All you've got to do is find the the source online to build it and buy some equipment so that you can uh, help control the volume of your voice and background noises and and so that you can splice whatever you produce together and uh, in the end have something that sounds halfway intelligible and is clear to the listeners. And you have to be prepared for interruptions. Uh, uh, to wit, my little dog Jasper Binks has brought a squeaky toy into my makeshift recording studio. And uh, usually after his supper, he takes a nap. And I can count on that. But I don't know if that's going to happen tonight. Hopefully he'll get busy uh, and bored with Dad just sitting here talking uh, to nobody that he can see. And he'll drift off into his nap time and, uh, you know, and and we'll be able to get on with a podcast. First of all, thank you for listening. If you've been listening since the beginning, I'm I'm telling you, you can stick with anything and anybody. You know, I I have some background in television, some in radio, a lot in public speaking. But this concept of uh, constructing a podcast on a regular basis uh, was new and foreign to me. Uh, when I launched it, I didn't know if I would have any listeners at all, and I'm kind of thankful. No, no. In fact, I'm very thankful to my private Facebook group, uh, Papa G's Fitness, uh, because the members in that group were among my earliest listeners, and if you're still sticking in here with me, folks, I really do truly appreciate your support, especially in the early days. Now, I know that not every podcast is a home run. I know that sometimes you're thinking, oh, come on, man, just give us the cliff notes and give us the bullet points and um, and keep it short. And I tried shortening the podcast for a while there. And, um, <laughs> and somebody says, uh, man, why are your podcasts getting so short? Because I, I use your podcast when I go for my long walks in the morning and... and uh, 
you know, you're done before I'm halfway done. So anyway, uh, I try to keep it between 30 minutes and say 45 or 50 minutes. Sometimes we run long because you know by now um, I can I can talk for a long time, especially if it's a subject I'm kind of very interested in or keyed up about and sometimes angry about and sometimes happy about. Some of my podcasts have been celebratory in nature. Uh, some of them have been used to salute other people who are phenomenal in my way of thinking uh, because of age or because of transformation they've done in themselves over the years. Uh, sometimes I like to refer to my clients or my classes because that's where I live. That's where my experiential base is, is with real people in real training situations. And these people all have... Uh, issues at some level. They've got age against them in some cases. They've got a history of surgeries. They've got a history of heart disease. They've got a history, some of them, uh, with lung issues. Some have had strokes. Um, you know, there's a variety of things in the class. And uh, I think today uh, the number one in inhibiting factor among people that I train is they come to the class initially very frail and their balance is not too good and sometimes their hearing is not too good and um, you know so I have to do what I can to help these people where they are the day they walk into the classes to do groups uh, group fitness with a bunch of seniors and uh, I think we do a really good job at that you know um, Maybe in a one-on-one -on -one basis, it could be a little more uh, specialized, a little more perfect, a little more um, uh, relaxed. But, um, you know, I'm thankful for my assistant, Deborah Brown. Um, and if you're trying to envision how we do this, sometimes with as many as 33 people in an auditorium, uh, we start off with group aerobics, then we go to balance work, and then we go to upper body uh, strength training with dumbbells and then we take it downstairs and do lower body work uh, until we exhaust an hour and I truly believe that while most of my seniors were exhausted in their earliest days of exercising with us uh, they're not exhausted anymore because the program works <laughs> and uh, you know when we first started doing standing on one leg balance work uh, some of them couldn't do it for five seconds without having to throw the other foot down or grab a chair. And now um, the vast majority of them can hold the stand for uh, 15 to 20 seconds, you know, if they're really focused. And that's one of the keys there. Uh, so everybody's making progress, but the way it works in the class is we start off doing aerobics and uh, I just turn it over to Deborah some days so that I can uh, go out and work with an individual. Um, you know, you wouldn't, unless you saw it, you wouldn't um, necessarily, I'm not going to say you wouldn't understand it because I'm going to make sense of it right here. Uh, just staying on pace with the music that we exercise to is very difficult for some seniors, you know, and they're not necessarily very old seniors either. Um, and so just standing and doing aerobics for 20 to 25 minutes uh, is, is a real challenge. And so we have to 
adapt the aerobics moves that we do to accommodate the largest majority of the people that are working with us. But I can go out and help somebody make a subtle change, say, in the positioning of their feet while they're walking in place and make a big difference in how their leg muscles are functioning in the name of just a good, brisk walk, picking your feet up a little higher than usual and and getting some exercise to the large leg muscles. So what I wanted to talk about tonight is not all that we do in my sale classes, uh, not about individual seniors, but I wanted to kind of do an overview of the shift, well, I should say shifts this podcast has taken over the years. You know, because when I first started doing the podcast uh, in very early uh, 2019, um, you know, I had gone through uh, three years of weight loss and walking. Basically, that's all I did was watch my diet, um, intensify the protein, reduce the sugar and carbs. And um, over that three-year period, you've heard it before, I lost about 105 pounds. And so that weight loss um, began, oh, I guess in 2013 was when I got my first Fitbit, and that's when it started getting serious. And uh, so here we are nine years, nine full years later, almost about to be 10 years um, of using a Fitbit fitness tracker to create a consciousness in me about what I am or am not doing in the name of exercise and caloric burn every day. Also, I use the Fitbit um, app on my smartphone to track, track my weight and my body fat percentages, my heart rate, of course, and my exercise sessions throughout the week. And, and so, but what, well, what has changed in four years of doing the podcast? Well, I came into the podcast really motivated because I now knew that losing a lot of weight was sustainable, all right? And I knew that even though I'd had major back surgeries and pain management issues uh, going back as far as uh, 2008 um, and uh, a lot of care by neurologists and such as that, I knew that the possibility of rebounding from obesity and chronic pain was was possible uh, given the right types of exercise and the right diet and the right health care. I can't uh, underscore health care enough. Uh, a good doctor can make a world of difference in the quality of your life and, uh, uh, and, and in managing pain. I was fortunate to have a doctor out of Huntsville, Alabama, Dr. K. Dean Willis, and uh, he worked with me diligently for a couple of years, including some surgeries that had to be done to make my spine usable. And he also worked with me in reducing uh, and eliminating a number of medications that had been prescribed over the years to manage that pain. That included opioids, it included uh, uh, things like Neurontin, it included things like uh, muscle relaxers, and you just you could just go on down the list. And sometimes those pills came in cocktail form. Uh, by that I mean it was different drugs mixed together um, to try to manage my spinal pain. 
Um, the happy story is that we got to a point and I got to where I believed that oral meds were not doing me any good. And uh, we had a discussion. He said, well, let's find out. And he weaned me off the drugs. And we did it over a period of about three months. I did not go through withdrawal or anything like that. But the good thing was because by that point, I had lost significant weight and had begun exercising. Uh, my body was in a state of recovery. Okay, so that state of recovery uh, in 2010, 11, and 12 was critical to the whole process. And, you know, I've, I've said it on the podcast before, uh, the driving force within me uh, that kept me motivated because lots of people talk about diets and weight loss and exercise and the first thing they want to say is well Gene I just don't have the willpower that you have you you have some kind of God-given uh, willpower to be able to stick with the plan and stick with your your eating strategy and stick with the exercise and to that I say no ma'am no sir I am not special I am not special. My number one motivator in sticking with this was literally, I did not want to die. And at the time I started uh, getting well, um, you know, I was a dying man. And uh, one of my doctors told me I'd be lucky to see 55. Well, 55 was 10 years ago. So um, I know deep inside my heart of hearts that... uh, Fear was a factor. Fear. I didn't want to die that young. I I wasn't done living. There were still things I felt I wanted to do and needed to do. I needed to be a husband. I needed to take care of my home, my yard, my pets, um, my relationships with uh, my extended family. Um, You know, I didn't want people... Uh, standing at a graveside looking at a box that held me thinking, well, gee, he was so young, you know, why didn't he do something? Why didn't the doctors do something and rein all this disease in and, uh, and, and help him have a better life? And so fear was the factor in me that caused me to change. I was able to stick with it after I hit my lowest weight uh, during my weight loss, which is about 172 pounds, and um, and then I just stuck with everything I was doing, a lot of running, a lot of long distance walking, a lot of weight lifting, a lot of rowing, a lot of cycling, um, you know, I just did it all, a lot, a lot of hill climbing, and, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, a couple hours a day of, of exercise and But you know what, folks, I was younger then. (laughs) Yeah, I was younger then. And there's a big difference from being uh, 55, 56, 57 years old and, and being 65 years old. And I can pretend to be a strong man and a runner and totally physically fit, but I've still got the body of a 65-year-old man. And my body, like many of the seniors in my class, has been through a few wars, okay? (laughs) My liver has been through a few wars. Um, My spine has battle scars on it from surgeries. And uh, so, you know, when... (laughs) When I look at who I was 
uh, in my late 50s, you know, just seven, eight, nine years ago, um, I had recently lost a lot of weight. I was doing very intensive exercise and um, I built a lot of muscle during those days. And, um, and so I was physically stronger. I felt physically better. I felt mentally better emotionally, how I felt about myself and my prospects for a long life, that all uh, increased exponentially. I mean, it's just like, you know, no longer was I having to deal with sleeplessness and depression. Uh, I had hope again. And so if you mix that hope that I had with the fear I had of going backwards in the process, Um, I was really motivated, and I'm still really motivated to stay the course. And I don't care how many times I have to say no to the pizza, to the ice cream, to uh, the snacks I used to eat, and the lifestyle I used to lead um, of self-indulgence. You know, I look at it now and I say, nah, I'm not going to eat that. And, uh, and then portion sizes were a big thing that changed with me, too, because, uh, you know, whenever you follow somebody in weight loss, they always tell you that your meat serving should be about the size of a deck of playing cards, all 52 cards there. And you look at that, and, and then you look at the mu- amount of meat that we often eat when we have steak or uh, even meatloaf. You know, it's way, way bigger than that little deck of cards. And so I got really strict about, you know, the portion sizes that I ate. And, um, and so it, the story is having a happy ending. And I'm hoping that final happy ending doesn't come for 20 or 30 more years because I've done a good job taking care of myself. So in the beginning, the podcast was a lot of talk about weight loss and weight management Uh, mostly because of my own transformation and experiences. Uh, A good podcaster, as I understand understand good podcasters, they talk about what is intimate with them. So the first year, if you want to go back and look up some of those old podcasts, all you have to do is scroll way, way, way down four years on your your, uh, podcast provider. They're there. And, and some of them were not very good. They were kind of raw. Uh, sometimes the sound wasn't very good. And, um, and sometimes I made uh, grammatical errors. Sometimes I said some stuff wrong. I didn't mean to say it wrong. But, uh, you know, I would substitute grams for milligrams in a conversation, you know, with my listeners. And, well, you know, nobody takes a 2,000 grams of vitamin C a day. You know, it would kill you. Uh, but milligrams, yeah, that's doable. So anyway, in the beginning, it was a lot of talk about, you know, because I was excited and I'm still excited that I was able to lose that weight. And I've kept the vast majority of it off now since 2015. So that's seven years. And you know, and I know that a lot of people lose a lot of weight And they're able to keep it off for three months, maybe. And then it starts to tick back up in pounds and body fat percentage. And before long, they just say, oh, to heck with it. You know, I'd rather eat and be happy than um, have to think about everything I eat and exercise every day. And folks, I get that. I get that. It is a labor 
of, um, uh, of your brain. It's a test of your will. And, um, but still, even now, I have these motivations in me. I have hope. And there's still resident fear of going backwards and becoming disabled like I was in 2008, 9, and 10. Okay? I don't want to be that guy ever again. I was a miserable, miserable man. So in the beginning, it was all about weight loss and weight management because I was learning as I talked on the podcast, okay? Um, And so I study fitness a lot. I study weight. I study supplements. I study exercise so much so that I became a personal trainer and, um, you know, now I've been doing this going on six years, I think, six years about that, yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, the first year was uh, all school. <laughs> uh, so about the time that I was getting certified as a, a trainer and coming into my own um, doing personal training with people, the podcast kind of shifted emphasis uh, into more about exercise and strength training, plus a lot of emphasis on distance walking and running. And I still contend um, that those are both good things. Distance walking, 30 minutes to an hour, every day you can, at least five days a week, is still a good idea for even those of us that are well over 60. Uh, You know, it doesn't take all day. It takes a little bit of effort, some good shoes, and maybe a dog that's glad to walk with you, uh, or a good friend, you know. I think the buddy systems are really good. Uh, my assistant in sale classes now, Deborah, um, I calculated it uh, one time, and I estimated that uh, last year or the year before, um, I forget which year it was, but we walked about 1,500 miles together that year alone. And of course, just like you, we had to go through the early days of the pandemic and trying to figure out what we were going to do, how close we could be, and, you know, could we go for our walks and be staggered apart, and, you know, and we figured things out, And but the walking was a big part of her transformation, and I'm proud to say that Deborah came from a place where she, too, could have died any day to a place that now uh, the only thing that's lacking in her becoming a personal training herself is the certification and um, but as a, an assistant in my class she knows all she needs to know to lead senior fitness aerobics and uh, strength training so you know I can't it sounds like sometimes I just want to brag on her a lot and and trust me she deserves all the attention I can throw her away because she selflessly volunteers to come down and and do two hours worth of classes with me three days a week and and that's a lot that's a lot you know she has to drive about 16 or 17 miles just to get to where we meet and and give almost three hours by the time we get there and we're set up and by the time we break down after the classes and so yeah i can't say enough nice things about deborah um, I told the class the other day that uh, I'd done a DNA search and that it turns out that Deborah and I are identical twins, except Deborah is six inches taller than me, at least, and we look nothing alike, and, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm five years older, so 
But uh, with this exercise thing, we are twins because um, you know, we do it together quite a bit. And I'm thankful that um, throughout these years of training individuals and classes, that my wife has been very supportive of all of this. In fact, Deborah is a guest in our home from time to time. In fact, she sat our dogs while we went to my daughter's wedding uh, back in July. Uh, that's the level of trust and confidence that I have in her. So after the beginning of the podcast, when it was all about weight loss and such, because I was so excited, I was so excited to have gotten the weight off and kept it off because once I quit losing weight, I had a period of discouragement in there because I thought I would keep on losing weight and, and maybe end up weighing somewhere in the 150s, low 160s, and it just wasn't going to happen. I could not I could not lose another half pound once I hit uh, July the 4th of uh, 2015. So the podcast shifted at some point with the emphasis going headstrong into exercise and weightlifting and weightlifting machines, uh, dumbbell work, um, and, and there was still a lot of emphasis, emphasis on distance walking and, um, and running, running for me because that's what I was doing. And, you know, the podcaster is going to talk about what he does. So if I went out and ran a 5K, it would be in the podcast, and I'd talk about my time, my pace, and things like that. And people probably yawned through a lot of that. That's okay. That's okay. Like I said, not every podcast is a home run for you, but it may be a home run for another person who's pushing 60 aside um, and trying to figure out how they're going to do the next 10, 20, 30 years. Well, what's happened then? Why is there a shift at all? Well, it's because I've aged. And I've heard it said so many times, with age comes wisdom. I certainly hope that's true. So what am I doing differently these days? Well, one thing, the diet has not changed. And I don't mean weight loss diet. I'm talking about weight management diet. I still have to watch the number of carbs that I get. I have to limit sugar at every opportunity. But the shift... Uh, is not away from exercise and it's not away from uh, managing my weight because those things are still important. I certainly haven't given up on uh, strength and aerobics as part of what sustains me physically and in pounds uh, and in health. But now in the final parts of the fourth year on the podcast, the shift with the most important topic being just health. Health. Everything else is a wheel on the car of health that makes it go forward. You know, one set of tires is strength. The engine is the endurance part of it. The uh, weight is not overloading the car, you know. Um, and, and then if I'm likening myself into a car, periodically I need to take it to the mechanic and get some checkups and, uh, and maybe in this case seeing my doctor get some blood work done and, uh, and get him to listen to critical things like my heart, my lungs, my carotid 
arteries, my digestive sounds. You know, uh, and if your doctor hadn't put a stethoscope to your belly uh, and your lower abdomen in years, you know, that's part of a routine exam. And also have to go through prostate exams and, and, and things like that. Uh, sometimes unpleasant, but if I'm in the doctor's office, he's going to look in my ears. He's going to look up my nostrils. He's going to look down my throat. Everything that he can examine, including my skin, he's going to examine while I'm there in the office. And uh, once a year, we do a full physical. So health is important, and especially that blood work. Now, blood work can tell us so much about imbalances in our body chemistry uh, and signs that the doctor can interpret as signs of disease. And those disease can include uh, kidney disease, liver disease, uh, heart disease, and, um, you know, and then periodically I get the EKG as well. Uh, it's not enough to look on my uh, Fitbit app and see what my heart did this week. That's, that's not an EKG. That's just a trace of averages of what my heart was doing uh, during exercise and during rest during the week. And uh, so uh, health is the, well, it's always been part of the focus of um, pushing 60 aside because my poor health was a major ingredient in my uh, growing waistline in in my late 40s and early 50s um, you know if you're in poor health and you can't go and you can't do and you're in a lot of pain and the only thing left to enjoy is food um, it gets really easy to overeat and I can honestly say there were times when I didn't care about my weight. I gave up on that as long as they kept making jeans in larger sizes and shirts in larger sizes. I would just size up every year or two. And, um, you know, and, and I said, well, that's just the way it is. Uh, the good thing is my wife loved me through all of that. And eventually we got well. I got well. And I got well in multiple ways. So, but these days, uh, I get to see upwards of about 50 to 60 seniors a week in my classes. And for the most part, uh, they are older than me. Some just a year or two, some are a little younger. But for the most part, uh, the median age in our classes is probably uh, somewhere between 75 and 78. I'd have to get a calculator, calculator out and, and determine the exact median age. But, you know, I've got some ladies that are pushing 90. I've got several ladies that are in their late 80s. I've got a couple of couples in my classes that have been married in excess of 50 years. And, um, and they're really rocking the classes, you know. I think about a, a lady named Sue um, uh, who's been married 56 years. And she's 78, I think. I, I might be wrong on that, but I think she's 78. And then Sue, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm sorry if I got your your uh, age wrong, but uh, Sue looks as fit as most 55-year-olds could. And, um, and so I look at her and see what she's doing, and she's not having to deal with obesity. Um, her skills are good. Her coordination is good. Her balance is good. Her strength is good. Um, her tolerance for aerobics is great. In fact, sometimes I get her to 
come up and help co-lead the class. Uh, my confidence is that high in her. So Sue's got 13 or 14 years on me, and she's an inspiration to me. I can look at Sue, and I know that she's done a lot of what it takes to be healthy at her age. And that's what's important, that I'm healthy this day, today, sitting here in my hardback chair, uh, leaning over a microphone talking to you. Well, that's great. That's great. Um, You know, I'm a fitness trainer, and I teach classes, and I eat right, and I take a few supplements, and um, I enjoy my married life, and, uh, you know, I play golf, all that stuff. But um, I have learned that um, there had to be a shift in how I approached fitness this last couple of years. And the reason was because I could lose all the weight I wanted, arthritis rocked right on. I could uh, eat as healthy as a human being can possibly eat, and I still have spinal problems and degenerative disc disease. That's not going to weigh. I can't exercise away um, the discomfort from disc compression in my back. Um, I have stiffness in my joints. Exercise does help with that a lot, but I do not have the flexibility that I had even, you know, five, six, seven years ago. I just don't. And, you know, and maybe in the early days when, you know, I was trying to run at least three miles a day, maybe it was a case of overkill. Uh, You know, uh, that fear of going backwards and regaining my weight and and, and I'll be honest with you, I was having fun running like that and uh, competing in races. But these days, not as many races, not as much effort on the races I do run, and I'm content with finishing a 5K in 45 minutes. That's, that's fine. That's fine. I'm 65. I have nothing to prove, not to myself, not to anybody else. And, and, you know, just enjoy the day, enjoy the run, have fun with it, but don't push myself to the point of an injury. And uh, what got me started on this was, uh, you know, uh, we're about to hit winter. Uh, I guess the 21st of the month is when winter officially starts, or 22nd, one of those days. And um, and so... Uh, like everybody else that lives here and has a lot of maple trees and cherry trees and elm trees and such as that, I had a massive amount of leaves that were down in my yard, and I I choose to mulch them with my riding mower and return all that leaf mulch and litter back into the ground as, as nutrient. Uh, no sense sweeping it to the curb and having the city pick it up or, or uh, burning it and polluting the neighborhood air. So I mulch my leaves. I went out to mulch them the second time because it's a, it's like a, a three-week thing as the leaves are falling. I'm trying to stay ahead of them. And, uh, and I went out there to start my lawnmower and it wouldn't start. And I thought, oh man, you know. And so uh, I put the battery on the charger and, uh, and uh, the battery wouldn't take a charge. So I went down to AutoZone or one of those places and and I bought the best battery I could buy 
and I came home, put it on the mower, fired it up, and I got to make one good pass over the yard and, and mulch up a lot of leaves. Unfortunately, our leaves were not done falling just yet, you know. Uh, they, they, they fall slowly over a period of about three weeks or so, and, and um, so I had the new battery in there, and I thought, well, that's great, and I went out the other, other day to finish up the job with the remaining leaves, and the mower wouldn't start. <laughs> and, uh, oh boy, I was aggravated. Brand new battery. So I put it on the charger, and while it was charging, I went to every ground location of the electrical system on that mower, and every contact location on that mower uh, where hot wires went to, uh, to cinch down and uh, check for tightness. And, um, and so after I had done all of that, and the uh, charger had been on the battery for about five or six hours, I jumped on that mower and it started right up. My wife says, well, what'd you do to fix it? And I said, right hand to God, I have no idea what made it start. All I know is that I ran it, I got the leaves done, and I ran the mower until it was out of gas. So hopefully my carburetor won't be clogged up with fuel uh, gunk in the spring and I won't have to touch it or use it again until then. So uh, what does the mulching of the leaves have to do with it? Uh, well, the day after I mulched the leaves, an old injury, an old injury of mine showed back up. I have a turf toe. And that's a toe that I injured sprinting up hills at the height of my running days when I was training to uh, do half marathons and stuff. Running up hills is hard, especially about the sixth, seventh, eighth mile of a long run. And, uh, and I was trying to build up some strength and uh, endurance in my legs. And, and my old toe just said, hey, that's, uh, that's it. And it took months for that toe to calm down, but uh, using that uh, engagement pedal on the on the mower got that toe to flaring up again. Well, and it's painful. It's it's painful enough, and there's nothing you can do for it. You can't wrap it. You can uh, maybe put some uh, biofreeze or gel on it or something other. Um, you can elevate it, but it's not really swollen. It just hurts down in the knuckle of the toe. And, uh, well, my life rocks right on. Lawnmower, no lawnmower. Leaves, no leaves. The exercise classes come right on. And so I don't get a chance for that toe to recover. And I, I, there's not a dry eye in the house right now, I can tell, because everybody's going, oh, poor Gene and his toe. It's not that bad. Also, because of age and arthritis, uh, my knees and hips give me a little bit of problem. Some stiffness, some soreness, and I know what to do. You know, stretching and taking it easy for a couple of days. Um, you know, I, I, I use a variety of things. Heat, massage, foam rolling. I do everything that's reasonable. Um, but the goal is to stay in a state of health, not in a state where I'm all the time um, 
having to work on an injury. You follow me there? You know, I don't want to be so sore all the time that I'm having to take weeks off to recover from ridiculous things I might have done in the name of fitness. That doesn't make any sense, uh, not to me, and it shouldn't make any sense to you. If we take risk, um, you know, um, you know, extreme squatting, um, working on our backs, maybe like if, if you have a house like mine, I have to crawl under my house periodically, and uh, I've got about 18 inches of crawl space under there, so it's all on my back, and any work that I have to do is all overhead, and you know, uh, I'm to that age where it's time to hire people to do that stuff. I don't go up on the roof anymore. There is nothing up there um, that I could probably do except fall and, and, and look and see if I can see a problem. And, um, and so there are professional people that have ladders and experience doing roof work. When we got ready to paint our house, I hired painters to do it. Yeah, I've painted my own house numerous times in my lifetime, but that being up on ladders uh, 15, 16, 18 feet up in the air uh, for hours on end chipping paint and uh, applying paint, um, just not smart with my body like it is. So um, in order to preserve my health, I paid the professional painters to come and paint our house this fall. And then I think I think they did a great job, you know, and uh, and and I didn't get hurt. I didn't have to worry about getting hurt. All the risk was on them and they're half my age. So, you know, they're probably stronger. They're accustomed to doing the labor, being in the awkward positions. It's what they do professionally. So um, these days I'm still exercising. Don't get me wrong. But in the early days of the podcast, I was really pushing getting at least 10,000 steps a day as if it was some kind of religious obsession. Um, what I know now is it's not the number of steps that we get every day that counts toward fitness. It's the type of steps we get every day in the name of fitness. And if I only get 5,000 steps in the day and they were all really intensive aerobic steps and um, and yard work steps and golfing steps um, you know that's enough that's enough because the goal is not to be sedentary but to use these muscles in my legs hips back shoulders arms um, throughout the day to keep everything working just like the good Lord designed it to work. You know, hands and wrists that flex and elbows that bends and shoulders that can raise up and reach overhead and grab a golf club and, and knock the heck out of a golf ball. That's uh, bend over and pick my ball up out of the cup when I, I sink a ball. You know, that, that's, that's the functional fitness that will sustain, help sustain my health for many years to come. Uh, I, you know, every time I do a 5K race, um, sometimes there's kids as young as six years old that run the races. Six. They, they run with their parents or their big brother or their sister or a group from their school. And, and, and then 
in 10-year increments, people go to as old as you can get and do these races. And I'm on the upper end of that these days. I'm in this 60 to 69-year-old group. And um, usually there's not a whole lot of us because not many people run at that age. So what do I prove if I push my body so hard that uh, I damage a knee or uh, tear an Achilles or I fall during the course of the race and uh, crack an elbow or dislocate a shoulder? I've seen those things happen. So the racing is not important. The activity is important. And I can go out there and jog along pretty good and, um, you know, cut a mile about every 15 minutes. And that's fast enough for a guy my age with my history. Because health is what's really important. So there you have it. The podcast has shifted in tone and tenor over the years, first being all about weight loss and weight management, uh, with a little bit of emphasis on exercise, namely walking, and then it shifted heavy into exercise and strength training, and and still quite a bit of emphasis on distance walking and some running, but if you've noticed over the years, there's less and less talk about running and um, and because I'm not running much anymore. It's just not necessary to maintain my health. I get aerobic exercise. That's what the running was all about. It was about aerobics. And uh, so now I do pretty intensive aerobic dance. <laughs> Sounds funny for me to say I do aerobic dance. I lead the classes. Um, that's what I do. And that's what gives me my cardiovascular fitness. It's enough. I do about uh, 40, 40, 40, uh, about 120 minutes of aerobics per week. That is enough. I don't do heavy, heavy lifting anymore. There was a few years back where, uh, uh, you know, I was trying to max out machines in the gym and and I did so one day on the leg press, you know, it, you could lift 400 pounds on it and I lifted 400 pounds. What does that prove? Absolutely nothing. What it proves was that on one day I could push hard enough to lift 400 pounds. But when in the course of everyday living do I need to use my legs to move 400 pounds? Likely never short of a emergency situation. Um, and so my goal these days is to avoid situations that could become emergency situations. Like I don't drive at night unless I have to. And it's be not because I'm old and feeble and frail and my eyesight is failing and I have cataracts. No, it's none of that. It's because uh, nobody can see after dark, you know, not very well. And uh, that's not to say I don't, you know, run to the grocery store sometimes at night. Um, but I've gotten more careful about driving at night. And if it's really fogged up outside, uh, nah, nah, I can, I can go to the store later in the day after the fog burns off. If the roads are icy, uh, there's no need. One wreck can ruin the rest of my life. And I'm not being paranoid, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not being paranoid 
I am really contemplating taking the best possible care I can of this body uh, through exercise, a healthy diet, good medical care, and, uh, and not taking unnecessary risk. So as you get ready to launch into 2023 and you think about what's the most important thing for you, it may not be 10,000 steps a day. It may not be able, uh, being able to uh, um, deadlift uh, 250, 300 pounds. That's, that's not functional fitness because we don't have to do those things uh, once we've pushed 60 aside. Uh, the young people that want to go to the gym and, and, and do that sort of stuff, bless them. You know, they're at the prime of their lives and if they need to muscle up and, and uh, get ripped and, um, and uh, build their egos uh, by lifting ridiculous amounts of weight, well, that's a thing. And, you know, and, and if that's their thing, um, you know, I wish them well. But for those of us that have pushed 60 aside, uh, extreme heavy weight lifting is not safe. I'm, I'm just going to say it's not safe. It's not necessary. Uh, it's not going to make me one iota healthier if I can clean and jerk uh, 125 as opposed to 75. You know, I, I don't even, you know, about the heaviest thing I ever put over my head these days is about, uh, about 40 pounds. You know, most of the time when I work out, I'm working out with 10 or 15 pound dumbbells. That's all I need to maintain strength, functional strength for my senior living. Um, so when you're thinking about how you're going to approach 2023 and the years to come, find that perfect balance for you. It may not look exactly like what I do. Lord, I hope it doesn't. But um, you've got to ask yourself the questions, am I being sedentary or am I getting enough enough activity in the day, um, staying active throughout the day, doing chores and small work items and yard work and recreational things and, and golf or whatever it is you do? Um, am I doing enough of that to help maintain uh, my health and my strength? Um, am I taking, am I doing something that helps my uh, cardiovascular fitness, something that makes me breathe hard and makes my heart pump fast, uh, you know, to keep my heart muscle strong and to help improve my circulation? Am I doing that? Am I vigilant in making sure that I'm not getting too much salt and not too much sugar every single meal, every single day? everything you put in your mouth, you know, ask yourself, is this, uh, is this amount of salt good for me? Um, and in closing, I'll tell you a brief story, a true one that happened this week. Now, my wife does not attend my classes and she only occasionally listens to the podcast, uh, cause you know, she's pretty much heard it all. Well, for years now, you know, I've talked about, um, the amount of salt we need as opposed to the amount of salt we eat in the typical American diet and how extreme that is and how detrimental it is to our kidneys and our uh, circulation um, and sugar of course um, is the root cause of diabetes you know and 
and you know just asking people you know you got to watch these things they're, they're not good for you um, it's white poison you know yeah we like the taste of sweets and we like the taste of salt um, it, it makes everything seem more flavorful and enjoyable and we've been spoiled to uh, learn to eat saltier and saltier and sweeter and sweeter things uh, our whole lives our whole lives and um, now that we're aging we're seeing the detrimental effects of too much salt and, and too much sugar in our diets so ask yourself how are you going to rein those two things in um, to give your kidneys a fighting chance and to give your um, your body uh, a, a workable level of blood glucose that um, that doesn't leave you damaging your your arteries you know it's a legitimate question aerobics cannot fix diabetes damage uh, it can't stop the process of diabetes the only thing that can stop that and turn it around is oftentimes medication and a dietary change and if you want to live long and watch your grandkids become adults and maybe your great-grandkids too you've got to reel in the sugar and if you want to take care of your heart and your circulatory circulatory system you've got to rein in the salt and so when you're thinking about how you're going to do 2023 you know I, I encourage you think about is this helping my health or is this slowly but surely chipping away at my health and then make the best decisions for you I would never tell anybody no you can never have never have another french fry or a potato chip no 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 that's that's not that's not realistic you can never have another bowl of ice cream you can't have any Christmas desserts no I would never say anything of that but remember this folks all things in moderation even exercise keep the risk low the exercise moderate and uh, and take good care of yourself your body with what you feed it think of food as fuel to empower your body to do everything that it needs to do for the next 24 hours and eat accordingly you know as we age we don't need as many calories as we once did and everything that we see on dietary advice is based on a 2200 calorie diet per day for the average adult typically seniors need between 1500 and 2000 calories um, a day that's all unless you're really uh, physically burning a lot of calories every day 1500 to 2000 calories a day is all you need and um, and uh, and the older you get that amount of calories slips down to maybe 1400 and or slightly more and um, and we just don't have as much muscle to feed we don't have as much uh, calories that we're burning and so uh, I can't continue to eat the standard American diet of close to 3500 calories a day as I age because that those extra calories have nowhere to go but our waistlines our buttocks the back of our arms our breast um, our thighs you get the picture so um, how are you going to embrace 2023 I'm just gonna give you one word health health is all that matters 
It doesn't matter how many steps you get. It doesn't matter how many miles you run or do not run. It matters that you get quality exercise. You eat quality food. You get quality sleep. You stay hydrated. And you have quality health care. And that, at 55 minutes, is a wrap on this podcast. Thank you for listening all over the world. Uh, In Australia, Canada, New Zealand, Great Britain, and the United States, and other places scattered about the world, I appreciate you listening and uh, ask you to join us again on the next podcast.